Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is the leading hub of sexual health communications resources, especially for people who are navigating herpes stigma. One of the things that we do along with um, coaching people into how to talk about their sexual health, uh, setting relationship expectations, as well as referring people to therapists and sexual health professionals to support their needs beyond just conversations is uh, advocate for the integration of these lived experiences shared on this platform from people who have gone through stigma themselves. Uh, we want to get those integrated into some sort of intervention program in uh, sex education so that it can best support existing STD, STI prevention efforts. Um, we even advocate for a change in that uh, name, STD prevention, which would be STI minimization. You'll hear me say all the time that sexual health is mental health uh, and how interconnected our sexuality and identities are to a place where we really have to unpack and uh, explore the mental health aspects of stigma if we're going to do anything about uh, the physical effects because uh, I talk to people on a regular basis that are experiencing uh, the most extreme of extreme psychological effects of a stigma uh right so it has been i don't think i've recorded a podcast episode since june and it's september right now it's september 1st uh the day of recording so this podcast i think is going to release in about a month actually because i got the next three episodes already lined up but um i'm here today with mila mila right Milu. Milu. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. Milu. That one gets butchered Milu. all the time. I was so ready. <laughs> um, but it's interesting. This is an interesting uh, recording time and like how we even met. Uh, do you mind if I share that before I? No, no, All right, no. cool. So uh, I saw, I'm going to be going to Vegas tomorrow, literally, uh, September 2nd, and I'm going to be there for a men's seminar and I, on Positive Singles already. And um, I changed my location for obvious reasons. And you were one of the profiles I saw there. And I don't know if it was, you know, I shows so-and-so viewed me or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I saw that you viewed me. I was like, oh, she's in Vegas. And then I looked and I saw that our relationship intentions weren't aligned. But I was like, oh, you know, I'll reach out and just see um, if you're aware of anything happening out there. And it just so happens that uh, you saw, I guess, that I (laughs) host this podcast and then... um, there was just like a little bit of an exchange about that and then you offered me some suggestions of things to do there and you uh offered to interview me on your podcast whenever you decide to do that and i was like wait a minute why don't i interview you so i'm glad we were able to make this happen uh so yeah that's enough of me talking this is not my podcast <laughs> episode it might be my podcast but this is your episode you the guest so me lou um why don't you tell me as much as you are comfortable sharing about yourself and then we can go into the conversation so just however you would like introduce yourself uh okay i'm uh Milou angelique that's what i'm known as as a musician i'm a drummer mostly um I live in Vegas right now. I'm 35 years old, and I found out that I was a, a positive, I believe, like three months ago. Oh, this so is new. 
Yeah. yeah, this is still fairly new to me. Um, but I'm the kind of person that once I find something out, especially health-wise, I research the hell out of it. Um, and then that also helps me process it emotionally and mentally faster. Mm-hmm. You know, I got my ups and downs, but um, yeah, I decided that that's not what I want to be known for, but it's it's a part of me. It's forever not going to be a part of me, and I'm not, I wouldn't say embracing it would be the word, but um, I don't know. Taking it in, maybe not like embracing it, it and holding it up, right. but like you're taking it in and you're being with it. Is that accurate? Right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, being being at peace with it. Yeah, understanding it, being at peace with it, uh, understanding how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's me. I'm um, Mexican, Mexican American. I've been living in Vegas for twenty-ish years. Um, but I was born in Mexico City, and then I moved to Inglewood, California, LA area. Then I moved to Vegas, so I've been here ever since. Um, I'm mainly a musician. I've been drumming for 20 plus years. And then I'm also studying to become a certified medical interpreter um, in English, Spanish, and American Sign Language. All right. Okay. Um, I like that you shared more about yourself than just your herpes diagnosis because one of the things that I'm hoping to be able to accomplish here is really humanizing people and their experiences um, so that people can see the kind of people who have herpes. At this point, with 300 whatever podcast episodes that are out, uh, you hear from people of all walks of life, from their careers to their sexual orientations, their religions, lifestyles, creative outlets. Uh, you don't just think of a person with herpes as being what stigma will allow for you to think about a person with herpes. And that's really uh, beautiful about this experience here is facilitating a space where we are humanizing people who have the virus rather than minimizing people to being what the virus itself represents which is diseased or whatever else right um right i would like to know two things the first thing is how long did it take you to find a useful resource um i'm assuming that positive singles was one of the first things that you did come across and then uh the second question that i had is how if at all has your life changed since your diagnosis three months ago right um you you mean resource as in something that just kind of gave me information or what do you mean yeah so thank you for asking for clarity on that so i'm asking what led you to positive singles let me just ask that first gotcha gotcha um so I've been single now for like a year and a half, something like that. Um, so I had been on different dating apps, uh, but then once I found out my diagnosis, I realized how much more difficult it would be to be on a dating app. Um, and I wasn't really quite sure how I wanted to navigate. Everybody I realized has different ways of navigating it as far as telling someone they're interested in right away or waiting till they go in a couple of dates or until they get more serious. Um, and I just try to be as transparent as possible with really important things when it comes to dating, um, whether it be casual dating or serious dating. So I started looking and I was like, once I realized the amount of people that had this, I realized I'm like, there's gotta be 
by now on the internet a place, a website or an app or something where there's a bunch of us who still want to date or who still want to fuck around, but I want to be want to be transparent about it. You know, don't want to be a spreader and want to make sure you're up and honest about it. And even more comfortable if somebody already has it, because that way you guys can share that and don't have to worry about it when it comes to the sexual aspect of the situation. Um, so I got a positive singles and decided to kind of browse that around. And um, I, I've seen that there is other apps, but that's really the only one I've tried so far. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other question was, how have things changed for you? But I feel like you kind of answered that. Uh, kind of. Um, they have changed. Um, how do I... Do you so, feel like your options have changed in any way? Yeah. So this actually really impacted my mental in the sense that, well, in the the more common ways, you know, you you have to deal with having a virus that there is no cure for yet. Um, but at the time that I found out, I had decided to transition to my lifestyle. So. Can you, turned, can you tell me what that means? Because I think yeah, I know what that yeah. means, but it, it, seems, yeah. like, it seems different. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Um, so I was... You ain't got to be okay. professional here either. Like, it looked like you want to say the right thing. Like, how long I want to make the story. <laughs> I'm like, it could be long, but it could be short. This is your story. Um, so in, in the story, I guess, is that up until I was like 30, I was very monogamous. And so if I was dating someone, which was just all the time, I was usually long, long-term relationships. And I was only dating that person, super, super monogamous. Then when I turned 30, I had gone through enough heartbreak that I was like, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to have fun. Um, and so I went into my, what people call dirty 30s, right? So I was just like, cool, I'm going to have so much fun. And at that, at the, the time that I turned 30, I had met my last partner. And so he was more into a polyamorous lifestyle. So then I, can, I got into that lifestyle. I had a lot of fun. Um, it was mostly polyamorous. I, it, it was kind of polyamorous, but kind of not. Because I'm more into girls than I am into guys, in a sense. <laughs> um, so I had a lot of partners with my partner. And then that didn't end up working out. But I was still kind of trying to navigate what I want to do with my life now that I'm single. And then I want to say like a month or two before I found out that I was positive, I was already changing my mindset and I was like, okay, I feel like now I'm comfortable enough and mentally ready to look for a real relationship, whether that be monogamous or polyamorous, you know, like in in whatever real relationship would end up being, because at this point, I don't really know what that would be for me because I've gone through monogamy and then I've gone through polyamory, um, not to be confused with polygamy, close but not the same. Um, And so I decided, okay, I want to find a legit boyfriend or husband, you know, not just a hookup. Wait, 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 why? Why do you want a boyfriend or husband if you're more into girls? I'm more, okay, so I'm more into girls sexually. I've never really, been or had by less I haven't met anybody that I wanted to like date date so I still like guys a lot but I'm also still very sexually attracted to women 
So I think I heard my, that backwards. I, I think I heard it backwards. Hold on. So are you you're more sexually attracted to men? Yes or no? Okay, I didn't hear that backwards. You said it each way. It's kind of weird. <laughs> what you go ahead? We can explain it. We can explain so it. So I, I'm sexually attracted to both. I would okay. say more physically attracted to women. Okay. But dating wise, I don't really, I have never really seen myself dating a woman, which is kind of. I have dated a woman. I know I'm weird. I no, it's not weird. It's not weird. I, can I cut through? Can I cut through the bullshit and just straight out? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think that what women represent and what men represent are different. Like, are women more fun to you and men offer, like, more security to you? Is that accurate or not? If I was good with podcast stuff, I'd play that Jeopardy thing. Right, I know. (laughs) Copyright Um... issues. (laughs) And if you don't have an answer, you you can just not have an answer. But I, I'm always just curious yeah. because I do hear yeah, that, yeah. that um, I like both, but I won't uh-huh. be in a relationship with a woman. I've he- I hear this from women who date men and women. And right. I, I see objectively why women won't be in a long-term relationship exclusively with another woman, but will uh-huh. with a man. But right. I don't think that when women are in it, they want to say why that is like no one wants to say right. why it is and i think the default is i don't know in fear of sounding like a bad person yeah i guess it's that it's uh, okay so i'll start by saying this is my personal preference and this is why i think people are so scared to say exactly how they feel because they're like oh this person's being uh sexist or whatever but i feel like whatever you prefer it's your preference I don't think it makes you racist. I don't think it makes you sexist. I don't think it makes you, well, race can be played with, but um, I don't think it makes you a bad person if you like specific things and for people that you want to be sexual sexual with or in, or emotionally intimate with. Um, I find women to be beautiful physically. Um, I'm very body positive, I guess is what they call it. Um, but I like dick, so... I consider myself pansexual. Okay. In the sense that I wanted to I used ask you to that. consider myself bisexual because bisexual would be more like you're into women and you're into men. But then for me, I personally realized that I like women that are feminine. Um, not so much women that are like trans that are women, but then turn into men. Because my mind mentally, I'm, I'm, I feel the masculine vibe and I expect a penis. And... Some women, I feel, obviously, will, will replace that with a toy or something like that. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I was, your jingles on your bracelets is picking oh, up real strong because you talk with your hands. Okay. That's all. Oh, yeah. I was trying to just point it out without <laughs> stopping you because you were you were going. I didn't want to interrupt you. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, okay, so, yeah, some women will replace that with, like, toys, but I personally don't care for toys. So it doesn't work for me, you know? And so kind of by default, I still like men in a sense because I am attracted to their to their physical, but I like a real penis. Um, I wouldn't say security would be the right thing. I, I think it also plays a part with the way that I grew up. I was always really like a tomboy growing up. 
So I hung out with guys. Guy friends were like my thing. I didn't really have a lot of friends that were female. Um, so I feel more comfortable with men than I do with women. But I like to be sexually active with women, but I don't want to date the women. Uh, it's weird. I think it's my own. That's not weird. No, no, no. Please don't. Please don't say that. Please don't say that it's weird. (laughs) Because again, you you already prefaced it. You've prefaced it already with that people like what they like, and that should not be frowned upon. You know, people will shame someone for having their preferences, and the reality is that everyone has preferences. If I prefer a big butt or if I prefer someone who is more uh, like a happy person or somebody who's just not negative these aren't oh my god you're mental healthist like an ism I don't even know what you call that like psychosism Uh, you're psychosis (laughs) because you won't date someone who's depressed all the time and it's like what and people will say that you might be some type of phobic because you choose to date in the way that you date and to be honest it ain't nobody's fucking business to be completely transparent yeah. but like yeah you ain't finna shame me into liking you i wouldn't even want to have sex with somebody who i had to shame into liking me oh you just don't right. like black penis You're like what I, now i have to prove it <laughs> like come right on. right um, exactly exactly and like that's the interesting thing because i've dated i've only dated i've only had one girlfriend that was back in high school Real well, quick, I can't call that, but kind of, you know, high school is a different thing. Real quick, your bracelets. I, I can't see your hands, but it's I don't know bracelets, but I don't know. Maybe it's Oh, it's earring? your earring. It's your earring. All right, maybe. Them off All right, thank you. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't have any bracelets. Okay. They don't look like they jingle, though. Okay. I know. That's why I don't know what it is. Oh, okay. Maybe. Oh, you know what it is? It's a necklace. Okay. Okay. All right. Any more? No, we're good. That was, It was a okay, necklace. I, I didn't even know the necklace jingle. Because <laughs> it's, it's metal, so like it would hit the. the I see it now. I, I see it now. Would, like, I, I think I expected a visual of what was a lot of bracelets. Okay, we're good now. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. y'all. I can't. <laughs> I can't edit that out. I can't edit those. <laughs> no, I feel you. That's why I'm like, you know, the sound would be messed up if there's like jingly everywhere. Okay. Um. But yeah, we we closed out preferences, and um, yeah, that that's closed out. Did you have more to say on that? Um, you, well, you were asking me what, why I wanted a boyfriend or like a husband, right? Over. Oh yeah. So the original question was like, because I heard you say that you liked women more, but then you said you still want a boyfriend or a husband. And I was trying to figure out, I was trying to figure out. I think I'm going to retract that statement. Okay. I like women more. Okay.
to each other and I just I like having that home to come back to so I think that's that's so, that's what I missed about having a partner is having that home base to come back to and like share experiences or whether we did them individually or we did them together yeah it's just come back and be like dude oh my god this happened it's like what your chick did this or our chick or whoever we were with and so I like that I like having that base so the safety I guess it's safety. Is it safety? It's safety. Like, you can always come home to a man, but, like, it it doesn't sound like you really feel safe coming home consistently to a woman. I guess I've never really found a woman that I've clicked with. Okay. Not not in a sense where I, like, want to date them. Yeah, yeah. I never. I I don't even have, I don't even really have girlfriends. Like, I have have friends that, that are girls that I've known for a long time, but I don't really hang out with girls. It's just never been my thing. Okay. Um, but I'm attracted to them physically. Yeah. So. Uh, out of curiosity, what changed for you at 30? You said that you were in and out of long-term monogamous relationships, and at 30 was when you started wilding out. Did you know that you were pansexual or into non-monogamy prior to turning 30? No, which is actually a funny story because I had a friend um, throughout all those different phases and when I went into my 3030s, uh, he reminded me, he's like, yeah, I remember like just a couple years ago, you were like, I would never be like open like that sexually and I would never do crazy wild things like that. And I'm like, yeah, at that time I was, I had only known monogamy. I didn't really know about polyamory. Um, and I, I, I grew, I feel like it had to do a lot with the way I grew up. So I grew up in a traditional Mexican household. My parents stayed together. They've been married for like 40 plus years. And so I grew up, uh, not brainwashed, but like taught that, you know, marriage, relationships, that road, the road that's kind of like consistently and like Catholic, indoctrinated, uh, Mexican. Is that the word? Huh? Indoctrinated. I don't know. Okay. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, I don't. I can't. Oh, actually, I can Google it. You can keep talking. I forgot. I'm, I'm looking around. I'm looking around for how to search for something. And I literally am interviewing you. That's so funny. Okay, here it is. A person or group to accept a set of beliefs uncritically. Yep, that's it. Indoctrinating. I even spelled okay. it wrong. Thank you, Google. Okay, okay. Indoctrinating. Yeah. So I feel like that played a part in me being monogamous. I had I didn't know there was any other options. I didn't know any other way of life. And then so I was a very loyal person and I did a lot of people that weren't loyal. And so I was just I, I had never had a one night stand and I was just never into that stuff and when I when I finally had that last relationship before I turned thirty, I was like, you know what? Let's try it. Let's see what happens. Worst thing that can happen is it's not for me. I don't do it again. Boom. That's fine. Not a problem, you know. But I think what what um, helped me during that time is finding my last partner, which was into polyamory, and which was very was very a, sex, a very sexually active person. And in order for us to be together, it would have to be something polyamorous for him to be comfortable with it. And I. And it was interesting because I, I felt like some people might have thought like, oh, he convinced her to do this. And I'm like, no, I like women. A lot of my boyfriends that I had had didn't like that I liked women. So that became an issue in my relationship. Yeah, they, they didn't like it. They would get super jealous. 
and I, you know, never disrespected them in any sense, but they knew that I was attracted to women. So when they saw somebody that I was like, oh, I think that they're attractive right away, they would get jealous or they would be insecure about it for whatever their personal reasons were. Um, but I was like, cool, this is a way for me to finally explore that side of me, the side that's attracted to women, but I still have a boyfriend, which I've always enjoyed having. I've mm-hmm. always enjoyed having a partner. Um, so yeah, so that kind of made my transition into doing that. And then once that relationship ended, I was going to continue that lifestyle, but I realized that there was something missing for me. And it's the fact that I like having that home base, you know, like I don't need it, but I enjoy it. I enjoy having a partner and crying to navigate life with as we grow individually, but also be able to share experiences and talk about these things without being judged, without being without somebody being insecure about the things that I enjoy. When you say I don't need it, can you elaborate a little bit more? Um, I feel like some people have the mentality that they have to have a partner and that it makes them a bad person or a loser or they've lost some something in life because they don't have a partner. You know what I mean? And uh, the way that I grew up, I can't think of really any relationship, even in my own family, where there wasn't a lot of troubles in the relationships, even if they stuck it out. You know what I mean? So even though I kept consistently having a partner, in my mind, the idea of marriage for many, many years was like, hell no. Like, I grew up watching all these ladies in my life getting cheated on, all these fights, just like all these things that I'm like, why would I want to get married? Like, this all sounds terrible. Um, So I think at first I was like, oh, I'm doing this because I was taught to do this. I was taught to have a partner. And then once I started navigating my own mental ways and thinking and what my preferences were and everything, I was like, no, I enjoy having a partner because I want someone to enjoy life with. Um, But I don't have to have it because I could either stick it out in something that I'm not happy with, or I could be by myself and be at peace. You know, I'd rather have, if I'm gonna have something, I'd rather it be awesome. And so my idea now is like, I don't wanna just be married. If I ever choose to be married, I wanna literally from my heart be able to say I'm happily married. Because I've seen people say that, and I'm like, that's different. Some people are like, oh yeah, I'm married. And you could tell they're like, oh, that's my ball and chain. Like, you know, like, I'm half my person. I'm half the person I used to be now because now I have to accommodate this person, which I understand. You have to do some of that in relationships, but at the same time, I'm like, I've I've seen relationships and I believe that you can build a relationship that you don't have to sacrifice that much of yourself, you know. So that's why now I'm like, I do enjoy the idea of having a partner, but I don't have to have it, and that's why now this is the longest I've been single. Since I was 15 years old, I pretty much always had a boyfriend, back to back, back to back. And a year and a half now, and I'm actually single, and it's been nice. It's been a lot of exploration, a lot of self-exploration as to, it made me really think, like, why did I always have a partner? Why did I consistently always have a partner? And it was like, oh, because you were, I was taught that you needed to get married. So I was on this hunt of, like, I have to find a person to get married with. And then I was also like, oh, well, if you don't have a partner and you're 30 or you're 40, your Mexican family looks at you like, oh, this poor thing, like, no one wanted to get this one. And I'm like, oh, well, fuck you guys. <laughs> you know? 
like, no, that's not why. Like, I actually chose to be single because I wanted to be happy in my relationship. I didn't just want to stick it out. Like, I wanted to make sure that I'm super, super happy in something. And if I'm not, then I'd rather be with myself. Okay. So I don't have to have it, but I would like to have it. Yeah. All right. I just was curious about that whole, like, not needing it type thing. Because I think that... It's very easy to invalidate someone who wants to be somewhere with you. Like if uh, you have a partner who wants to be there for you, but then you're like, oh, no, no, I need you to understand. I don't need you. I want you. And they can interpret that as like, well, damn, like, why why are you here? Uh, the subjectivity of I don't need you or I don't need right. this. I want you. So I was just like right. teasing out a little more clarification there. Yeah. No, and you're totally right, because I've had that problem with partners before where I told them, I don't need you, and they took it that way. They took it out and it's been like, well, fuck you too, you know? <laughs> I guess it's just an option. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, I mean it in the sense that, like, I'm happy with who I am, and I'm still going to continue on my route to pursue my goals, whether you're here or not, you know? I don't need you to be here. I would like you to be here, and I personally feel that that's a better outlook in relationships because when someone needs you, I feel like that's a to- toxic attachment. Like, I need you to be here for me to breathe. I need you to be here for me to be happy. Without you, I'm not happy. And I don't think that that's healthy. I feel like you should be able to be healthy without that. Yeah, let's talk through this some more. So when I think about things, I'm, I'm coming at stuff from a different perspective now. I've had some recent life experiences that have really made me understand that things in excess are terrible for you. Too much yeah. oxygen is bad for you. Too much water yeah. is bad for you, right? These things yeah. are great. Yeah. When we go into like needing someone too much versus mm-hmm. needing them in a healthy amount or in moderation, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think that especially with the way society is set up now, like people have needs. Um, mm-hmm. It becomes unattractive when people become needy, quote, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, needing someone I clearly need another person for my sexual needs I need another person because there's 24 hours in a day for X amount of hours I'm sleeping for another X amount of hours I have to work and make money for another X amount of hours there are other things to be done so having Mm -hmm. someone else to make that easier like that's a need for me to have whether it be community whether it be a partner whether it be friends whether it be colleagues like someone to take the load of having to do everything myself so if I were to let's say you know take away the internet and let's take away money right if I had to sleep I had to make sure I was alive while I was asleep. Like I would need to be mm-hmm. protected, have some form of shelter. I would need to be able to grow my food, hunt for it, fight off predators and whatever else might be trying to eat or kill me or still from what I have, right? Uh, mm-hmm. There's not enough time. There's just not enough time in a day to be independent. Like I'm very much <laughs> like, I do a lot of things on my own, but there's these sacrifices that are being made. Uh, that probably are killing me a lot faster by saying I don't need anybody than to just be able to admit like, hey, I need someone to support Mm. me, like to co-create and do these things alongside one another and Mm -hmm. be able to bring in more people to make our lives easier. So like we need people. While we may not necessarily think we need a partner, like a Mm. partner, a relationship, 
is more than just like uh, an exchange of tangibles or like um, what's that word I'm looking for here like uh, transactional that's it need I think that we we say we don't need someone what we're saying is I don't need you transactionally but there is more substance to the need of another person who you can trust for that like you said that security somebody that you come home to your home base right that's a need so to say like i don't need a person but i need home base you're sort of dehumanizing or removing the human from that when we really do need human connection and like home isn't where your house is like home is where you are able to talk about your experiences with your other girlfriend or y'all's girlfriend be able to take your shoes off and flop down you know on your person or like be able to just take that deep breath sigh and know that when you go to sleep you gonna wake up or have confidence that you gonna wake up right and that feeling like things don't provide these feelings people do so that's my little rant about just needs because i think that there's an overcorrection of of like independence getting away from needs because we don't want to seem needy but the reality is like we have to sort of recalibrate that a little bit like yeah actually i do need someone and it's nice to be needed especially as a man like in a time where we are seeing so many people say i don't need no man it's like all right well you don't need me why am i here i'm gonna go find somebody who do need me you know and that's kind of the core of a man's identity is to be needed so interesting there's my rant i, I need yeah. to say that and no yeah you you have a lot of valid points that i feel get lost in saying i don't need somebody like but, but i know what you mean when you say i want i know what you mean when you say you want right. these things but don't need them i think what you're trying to do is alleviate the pressure of attachment and i think oh yeah that's that, what i was gonna say yeah what that does though is like that is a method of attachment like there's healthy attachment in an effort to avoid being too attached what we become is more avoidant (laughs) it's it's wild it's a wild thing to say but this ain't my podcast it's yours no yeah yeah. that's what i was gonna say that uh i've realized that my thought in that the way that i think in that sense is also not the healthiest because I've learned that it's hyper independence and there's a lot of things that that I've seen about that but it's like part of it is either you grew up having to fend for yourself in certain situations or you want to avoid disappointment so in order to avoid disappointment you tell yourself you don't need something so that you don't get disappointed and you're not like oh you know now they know I needed them. Now I now I seem weak because I needed you. And that's so sad because it's it's so yeah. beautiful when that can be just laid on the table, and it's yeah. like, hey, baby, listen, I need you for this, you know. And right. I, I'm I'm learning this from the kink and BDSM community. Um, mm-hmm. The conversations that I have with people, the communication is very beautiful. Um, specifically in like dom sub dynamics you know Mm -hmm. in people's day-to-day life I think everybody has to assert themselves in either a dominant go-getter assertive role 
or a compliant, submissive, supportive role. And coming out of having to do that for eight to 10, 12, 14 hours a day, to be able to not do that and just let go, rest and restore and be able to balance out that energy shift with the opposite of that. Or if you're someone who's in that role and you're like, yes, this is where I belong. To be Mm -hmm. able, like, to get home and then you got to, like, run the household if you like just supporting, right? And you get home and you got to make all the decisions, do this, that, and third. You know, the the need there is for leadership. And that could be sought out unconsciously in very unhealthy ways. Abusive relationships, Mm -hmm. as an example. Um, Same thing for the other side of that. You know, if you are someone who's naturally a leader naturally dominant but you find yourself around people who are incompetent or people who make you look bad then we get into relationship dynamics that invalidate your identity as quote a dom or a leader so fit and compatibility are so important here because if you take that supportive uh person and you bring them into contact with that leader what you have is going to be the creation of a civilization a community mm-hmm. a new thing mm-hmm. you know i, I use this like mm-hmm. at its core uh femininity and masculinity when they are able to come together it's just the divine like mm-hmm. you bring them together and you're supposed to get life right man woman right. babies made creation but you bring right. that masculine and that feminine together and you don't just get like new life like if two people who demonstrate those things are not mm-hmm. wanting to have a baby together you right. get a community you get art you get culture mm-hmm. you get civilization right. you get a co-created just structural society you know right and right. we're being taught that one doesn't need the other in order to be complete but the uh, mm-hmm. one does need the other in order for more to be accomplished. Bam. Gotcha. So gotcha. Yeah. I need to. I need to. And I have that. seen that. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that in research too. It says that, well, at least financially, well, that's the point I saw. But financially, couples tend to get further faster than a single person, which makes a hundred percent sense. You know, if two people are splitting rent and bills, it's better than like I have to carry everything. Yeah. You know. So that I understand, and I guess that brings me to another point of, you were saying how it it changed, my diagnosis changed my life, or impacted my life. That was another thing, because I'm a very, I mean, I guess a lot of people say this, but I do consider myself a very unique, particular type of person, from my life experiences, from just a lot of things about my brain. Um, So I realized that I prefer someone who kind of dabbles within both of feminine and masculine energies and so first I'm very picky with people as far as partners even hookups like anybody you know, I'm super picky even friends I'm super super picky I have a very small circle of friends um, and a lot of people don't think that about me because I'm a musician and I've done a lot of cool stuff and I've traveled a lot and, and a lot of people like me um, but in me, I like to keep myself safe in the sense of who I'm speaking to, who I'm surrounding myself with. Um, and so I'm very picky, even more picky with partners, right? So I'm already picky. I'm a very unique person. I like particular things. And then 
Then I realized I also want a partner who's okay with me being with women and hopefully will be with women with me. And then I also realized that I like someone who has a dabbles between masculine and feminine energy. My last partner had that. They kind of they would switch between masculine and feminine. And so that's where the pansexual part comes in. I like people in between in the male aspect mostly. Women I like more feminine. Men I like guys that are kind of feminine but also masculine. Um, so that narrowed down my, my my circle even more of my pool of fishes. And then I got this diagnosis and I was like, oh my God, that just narrowed it down like a billion times more. <laughs> and so, and that just impacted me dramatically. And that did, that did put me in a little bit of a depression for the first month because I was like, oh my God, I already knew how hard it is for me to find someone attractive, both spiritually, physically, mentally, and then I also know that I don't want someone who's just masculine energy, but I want a male, but they also have to have feminine energy. But now I have this diagnosis, and so now I have to find someone that's comfortable with it or already has it. And it's just like, holy shit, it's just back-to-back things that were stacking up that I'm like, okay, me being by myself, it kind of started like lingering in my mind more you know I'm like damn am I gonna be by myself forever like that's gonna fucking suck like I don't want to be by myself like yeah I can have hookups and I can have friends with benefits and I can have cuddle buddies and I can have friends that are emotionally supportive um but to have like a legit legit what I would consider a partner for me the pool just got narrowed down so much that I was like that sent me into a little bit of a depression because I was like damn like now it's even harder for me to find what I think I was looking for, you know, I'm still exploring the idea of what I'm actually looking for. Um, but yeah, the, the whole, I, I feel like it's essential to have the feminine and masculine energy. Um, and I have that too. So I'm a switch. And so I will present uh, masculine energy. I'll also present feminine energy. I can switch back and forth, uh, depending on the, the person that I'm with. Um, so I feel like that made it a little bit more complicated for me personally because I don't see myself with a male who's just masculine, but I also don't see myself with a female who wants to present masculine energy. <laughs> so I feel like it just gets complicated for myself. And that's my preferences, I guess. It sounds like but, you just want a man who is emotionally intelligent. I mean, that too. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, what does a, a feminine, masculine man look like to you? Um, well, my last partner, for example, he, I guess you could say, had dual personalities. So on, on some days, he's masculine and dresses like a dude, I guess. And some days, he's feminine and dresses like a female. Wears, wears more feminine clothing, wears makeup, does his hair, more feminine. Um... So dance is more feminine. Oh, so would you would like to be with someone who's not straight? Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you were saying the feminine and masculine energy, how they complement each other. Yeah, yeah. And how it I it is necessary to have them. You know, they balance each other. They help each other out. Okay. And I 100% believe that. I think that. Well, do I? The, the dress. Hold on. So the the dressing thing is that it? Because when we talk about like the energy of it, that seems more of like a gender presentation type thing. 
and I could be completely wrong, but like if how how do you see femininity show up in a masculine person in a way that's attractive to you? Outside of I guess dressing. So or that's one thing. Sometimes he'll wear street clothes look like a dude, sometimes he'll wear makeup, put on a dress. What else is there to you? Okay, good question. So in the masculine sense, the character tended to be more serious, more focused, um, more straightforward, very blunt. And the feminine energy was more playful, more sensitive, more emotional, um, we also could bond over girly things like makeup and hair and clothing, um, which is something you can't really, you know, bond too much over with a straight guy. Once in a while, you'll find a straight guy that like knows about that stuff, but like not, not very often. Okay. Um, I, I was just asking for, yeah, yeah. Like, please don't yeah. think you got to overthink it. I just, that was a question yeah. that I think. If no, anybody that's a great question. It's a great question because it, it helps me analyze what is it that I consider masculine right. and feminine? What is it about it that I feel is a feminine energy? Okay. Um, being yeah. Mexican, uh, I, I know that people of color typically are less, more so informed, educated, or accepting of this kind of diagnosis. So I guess like, where are you experiencing the most success with dating? Mm, It's only been three months. So let me ask you, are you currently even dating? Are you seeing people? Are you sexual with people? How is that for you right now? No, I'm not dating anybody. I didn't really want to continue the dirty 30 thing. But then also the pool is very small for me now. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I'm like you saw on my profile, my my focus was like, okay, I'm gonna look for a partner. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't want to hook up. I want to find specifically a partner. Um but then I'm also dabbling with the idea of well, do I just want to be like a nun till I find that partner? You know, like, do I just want to be like, no sex, no cuddling? And I'm like, damn, I'm already really picky. So I feel like it's not 100% set. I have an idea of what I would want. But then I'm also looking at the fact that, like, I don't know if I really want to exit out everything else till I find that one person. So you ain't lowered your standards because you got herpes, have you? Please tell me you have it. Oh, God, no. All right. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's what I was looking for. I was like, oh, man, here we go. No. Um, and I appreciate that yeah. you said, you mentioned all those things about partners. Uh, and I, I hope that people take away from this podcast that you don't lower your standards, you know, because when no. you lower your standards, I was having this conversation with a, a colleague yesterday. So I work as a, uh, I teach medical students to give genital exams, as well as I work as a, an, a patient actor, basically. And so uh, she's an actor and she was telling me about how, you know, people will really take their jobs in acting more seriously than 
the roles of being an, a patient actor and they'll get like $400 for what essentially comes down to like 50 cents an hour between like studying, getting back and forth to auditions and then going through the performances and they'll just make like $400 and prioritize that over this work that pays $20 an hour so that the powers that be that go, oh, patient actors, what's the market for? They look at how much or little money they make and prioritize that, that they only have to compete with the lowering with that value. So what she was explaining to me uh, was that if these people were to value themselves more, that would raise the stock value, so to speak. And if the stock value goes up, then everybody gets paid more because you're not settling for what would come out to 50 cents an hour. You're set, you're raising the bar high um, by realizing and building on what your value is in these settings. And now everybody can eat more and get more money. And so what that made me think about was just this and how we're having this conversation, making me think, you know, my value doesn't go down because I have herpes. Nothing about me goes down. Like, in fact, I would argue that my value has gone up significantly because of my response to how I have herpes. And yes, I'm not just you know, picky, I am even more picky about who I share space with, who I share time with, because now I have to screen people a little bit differently. You know, one, do I even want to have sex with you? It's not, do you want to have sex with me, even though I have herpes? It's, uh, do I want to deal with the disclosure piece? Do I want to deal with your reaction to me telling you? Do I want to re- deal with the potential of being rejected by you? Do I want to deal with the possibility of you getting it from me? And then, like, whatever comes after that. You know, these are some of the questions. But, you know, as you just sat here and you you sort of talked through it, you could see points in your face where you were kind of unsure, but you were able to speak through to more of the things that are, in fact, your standards. I don't think people get the opportunity to do that. So my hope is that anyone listening to this podcast episode is able to take this experience and look at what your current value is and decide how you can in fact use your diagnosis or even things around your diagnosis to increase your own value so that you not only increase your value as a person in the dating world but even in your career even in your personal life even in your passions your creative expression your uh, value as a friend as a sibling as a parent as a uh, an offspring, whatever you might be. And that's going to also just inherently for this community, help us see ourselves from a lens of which, oh, you know, I can do more. I can, you know, increase my value because not just you see yourself differently, but how you also present yourself. So that's that's what I hope to leave us with. Um, We've got about nine-ish minutes left. Um, I try to keep these around an hour. So I wanted to ask you, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you want to talk about or anything that you'd like to share with uh, the Something Positive for Positive People audience? Yeah, um, on that same topic, that's what helped me deal with it is the minute that I found out, I started researching. Well, okay, yeah, there's a couple things. I first researched if you could track it, right? And from what I researched, you couldn't track it. And so I couldn't find out how long ago I had it because I had been getting tested for STDs for years. I've been getting tested for STDs for so many years. What I didn't realize is that the STD clinic will test for herpes. And so, or at least not here in Las Vegas. 
so when I found out, I was really upset because I was like, I've been getting tested for years, never knowing, and now I don't know how long I've had it. I don't know where it came from. There's no way to trace it. There's no way to, to, to do all that. So uh, I, I would like to uh, advocate for people being aware of that, that if you want to get tested for that, you have to usually go to an actual doctor and request it because a lot of the clinics don't test for it. Um, and then when I, when I found out, I started looking on YouTube for people that would talk about it on TikTok or YouTube, and they ended up helping me be able to deal with it because a lot of them mentioned the fact that people will kill themselves over this. And I thought that was so sad, but I completely understood it. I didn't feel suicidal myself, but I could totally understand where where that could go. And I'm really glad that this podcast exists and that all those people that I saw on on YouTube and on TikTok, especially women for me as a woman, you know, it was, it was more direct seeing a woman being like, this is what happened, this is how I found out. And the stigma behind it of like, you have an STD, that means you were a slut. That means you you were probably doing crazy shit and this is why you got it. And it's like, no, there's so many people of stories that, you know, I was with an actual, just regular partner, and they cheated on me, or I had a random hookup, it was a one night stand, I was just having a good time, and that's what happened. And then I got it. You know, like it, it happens in so many different ways from so many different people. I, you're right, I don't feel like it devalues you. I don't feel like you should lower your standards because of it. I don't think you're less of a person from it. I like the aspect of being so transparent about it. But I've noticed some people, like I said, they wait till they go, to go on a couple of dates and then they tell somebody. Um, for me, I decided that that's not the first thing I want to tell you. You know, like if I find you cute, I'm not going to be like, hey, by the way, I have herpes. The first two seconds, you know me, you know. But I might talk to you for a little bit and be like, hey, before we continue, I want to be straightforward and transparent. I have herpes. Um, is it something you're comfortable with? Are you familiar with it? Do you have any questions? You know, and I have had people be like, oh, well, thank you for the honesty. You know, obviously that lets me know what we can do and or I am comfortable with it. I'm not comfortable with it. Um, so I hope that people like you mentioned, learn that this happens to all kinds of people in life. It doesn't make you just that. You're not just a person with herpes. Now you're still everything else that you do. Um, but definitely don't, like you said, don't devalue yourself because that's, that's not what this is. It doesn't make you less of a person because you have this. And it doesn't make you a terrible person because you got it. Um, it doesn't make you a slut. It doesn't make you a diseased person that shouldn't be touched anymore. Like, that's definitely not what this is. You are still everything that you are, and hopefully you decide to try to find the parts of you that that are still there. They're all still there to flourish, you know? This made me focus even more on my goals. I was already focusing on becoming an interpreter and pursuing my drumming career more and everything, but now I'm just like, okay, well, now that kind of lowered the activity of me being so sexually active all the time, even if I want it to be, and it helps me focus more on my goals and be even more careful with what I do so that I don't spread this and so that people are also aware how easily you can get it. Because I don't think people realize that. It's like, it's it's so easily caught. It's weird. I don't feel that there's enough education about that. 
there should be, but there isn't. And a lot of people that I found on YouTube and TikTok that found out, they were like, yeah, my doctor had no information. One girl was even like, yeah, I asked the doctor. She told me if she had any, you know, pamphlets or anything I could find out. She's like, she literally printed me out, like, uh, stuff from the internet, from WebMD. And it's like, wow, I could have just done that myself. Thanks for the info, you know? <laughs> um, but luckily there's things like this that educate people more on it because there are, there's not enough education and the stigma is terrible. And hopefully that changes because it's it's ridiculous how easily you can catch it. It's not just like penetration. It's not, it's just touch. It's from what I know, from what I use, it's just skin to skin. Skin to skin, really, really easily caught oral or not. Like it's crazy to me. But um, yeah, I appreciate this podcast a lot because it, there's there's so much out there that people don't know about it. And I, I'm not glad that I caught it, but I'm glad that I have a mentality that I do to deal with it and and help advocate for it you know like I don't know in a sense I feel like I got this for a reason and I feel like it's changed my mentality and in, in a lot of ways but not in bad ways it's made me a lot stronger for sure for sure good um <clears throat> all right um Thank you. I appreciate it. I forgot what I called you. That's why I was trying to stall a little bit. I was like, what did I call you? Miru? Milu. Oh, I was so close. I was, about, I was like, Myra. No, Myla. No, Mila. Milu. <laughs> Got it. All right. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, share, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Remember, you can join our Patreon page by visiting patreon.com slash SPFPP. If you're someone who likes to just have auto donations come out, set it and forget it. Uh, there you'll also get exclusive content from me, myself, uh, on the podcast. Uh, you can engage with me more there. Um, otherwise, you can just make a one time donation to uh, a Venmo, Cash App, uh, PayPal, and you can find out um, which of those options works best for you by visiting www.spfpp.org. And if you need something from me, please email me. Um, there's been, yeah, there's been some things happening lately where I think that people are confusing, you know, what to come to me about and what to come to me for. And I think that it's best to just screen the, uh, people, you know, who need professional, um, healthy herpes related content or whatever. Like if you want to talk to me about herpes, please email me. Um, if you DM me about things that are herpes related, I'm going to ask that you email me so that we keep the conversation and communication there. Uh, yeah, just to keep it that way. All right. Till next time. Oh uh, yeah. I forgot. I'm not saying stay sex positive anymore. Damn. Uh, I had everything so smoothly like spoken to until this part right here. Blooper reel. Uh, yeah, I, I catch y'all on the next one. <laughs> Thank you for your time.